Welcome to another episode of Take This Job and Love It, the podcast helping walk you through the various trials and tribulations of the professional job search. Uh, my name is Brian Fournette, and I serve as Senior Associate Director in the Office of Career Strategy at Yale University, and I am joined today by my wonderful colleague. My name is Julia Burke. I'm a Senior Associate Director also in the Office of Career Strategy, and I'm happy to introduce um, two of our wonderful colleagues, Derek and Maggie. Hi, Derek Webster, Associate Director for the Arts in the Office of Career Strategy. Um, also work in the Common Good and Creative Career Initiative and a former alumni of Yale. I guess currently an alumni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't lose that one for a little while. Uh, I'm Maggie Katz. I am the Program Coordinator for the International Summer Award and a Senior Admin in the Center for International and Professional Experience. Excellent. And so today we're going to be talking about the ideas of salary negotiations, and the idea of uh, just grappling with benefits packages in the context of, of securing the job. So this is coming after all the work, all the trials and tribulations. We're hoping to seal the deal, and then we have to try to negotiate. I find that people uh, don't like this. Hmm. <laughs> what, what say you, esteemed panel? Uh, That's an understatement. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, That's what I say. We're all in agreement here. <laughs> I, th- I think there's something in the... Um, it's avoided at all costs and, and at great cost. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think, you know, one of the biggest parts of this is, I mean, granted, people are a lot more fluid in their careers nowadays. So you're, gonna, mm-hmm. you're going to have a lot of different jobs and, and there will be a few different negotiation um, opportunities along the way. But stretched out over the course of a career, you're really still only talking about five, ten different opportunities that right. you have. Yeah. And to miss the chance to work on this skill, mm-hmm. to, to try to build in what will have real impact, but also be a real life skill that is very hard to remanufacture outside of right. you know, the, the real version um, is, a, is a real loss that mm-hmm. I think, uh, unfortunately, especially a lot of um, younger um, professionals um, miss that opportunity. Yeah, and there's a, there's a gender factor too, right? I don't have the stats in front of me, but we know that mm-hmm. those that will opt to negotiate salary specifically tend to skew uh, you know, male, and mm-hmm. that uh, female uh, candidates will likely just not do that process. And mm-hmm. we can talk about you know helping sort of right that wrong and making sure that people are best informed and equipped to go into this process. Yeah, you'll, there'll be a huge carryover impact if one doesn't negotiate their salary. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean, if you're negotiating for a higher base salary, the, the raises that you get subsequently are based on that, um, you know, 401k uh, 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 matching mm-hmm. depends on that. Um, you know, as Derek said, maybe the next career you take is based, you know, can be based on that. So yeah. by not negotiating, there's a huge carryover impact. And again, like Brian said, I don't have the numbers in front of me, <laughs> but I know that there are statistics you can find online about the actual literal dollar amount of what you might miss. Right. Yeah. So so let's, let's begin by just making yeah. sure that for the purpose of, of those listening, like we, we talk about what this actually is, because we already said the word salary a couple of times. And I have found in my conversation with students that that is strictly and sometimes unfortunately only what they're considering. Mm-hmm. So we yep. can't pretend it's not a huge, hulking, important component of this process, but we often will plead to look at the entire benefits package because depending on your industry, that can uh, provide these little pockets of revenue 
or uh, financial uh, backing that can be very enticing and can help guide the entire conversation, right? So, um, you know, let's, I, I don't want to Bogart, so let's, let's, uh, let's walk around here and see what, what are some of those areas that, we, that we've come upon that people don't often consider. Well, well I think one, one reason to reinforce that, I mean, it, it goes along um, with what Julie was saying about, you know, early impact is exponential, right? And it moves forward. Now, the employer is also just as smart about this. Mm-hmm. And so we can actually use that to our advantage in a different way. They will oftentimes protect the bottom line salary, the the, the wage rate, yep. at all costs because they have an HR division and, and they have their accounting tallying up and saying this this is what we have for a budget for the year. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one-off sort of compensations that can often be involved in you know travel reimbursements or bonus signings and those sorts of things, that's discretionary. That's not a binding you know salary line for the for for an annual budget. Right. So in many ways, like even though you know it's it's in the long run to our disadvantage, it can be in the short run to our advantage to recognize that that's a real opportunity that often has a lot more flexibility from their side. Absolutely. I think, you know, again, if it's, if it's a, if you're, if each side is close, sometimes those are the things that can, you know, mm-hmm. help sweeten the pot and yeah. just make it seem a little bit more palatable. And we also, you know, you talk about everything from uh, 401k investments, stock options to vacation, mm-hmm. and those things have something more of a reoccurring cycle. Then we're somewhere in the middle of all of that, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you can even get more granular. I know we've mentioned some of the big ones, but tuition reimbursement can be a big one. Um, Healthcare coverage. Exactly. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a lot of kind of the nitty gritty parts of benefits that um, what are, you know, in terms of, um, you know, travel reimbursement, what Derek is talking about is maybe like a monthly uh, um bus pass or, or train pass. But what about um, travel to conferences? Is that mm-hmm. something that you can actually mm-hmm. within the job massage a little bit if that's something that's important to you? I uh, am a member of a union here at Yale. And so I don't do my own negotiating. The union does it Bravo. on my <laughs> behalf and the behalf yeah. of all of its members. But one of the benefits that we have is layoff protection. Mm-hmm. So we, mm-hmm. if I were to be laid off from my job, I go into a pool and get first priority for new job openings, which is mm-hmm. a protection that a lot of jobs don't have. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah. And looking at it very holistically, depending on the type of job, is important to, mm-hmm. to take into consideration. Yeah. And depending on where you are in life, I mean, that situation, you know, if someone is more sort of fluid in where they want to be living, then that situation may not be as, pe- as, I mean, I think it's attractive any which way, but if someone's like, I'm here, I have investments in whatever capacity, this is security. And that mm-hmm. can be, you know, it can have a dollars and cents uh, component, but it can also have a peace of mind component that can be very valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, we, we've talked about the different pieces of what this package can look like. I mean, I, I, I don't know about you all, but like I'll often tell people, like, think about how much your, your employer is compensating for your health coverage and multiply it times 12 and tack it onto the salary sometimes just to get a sense of what you're actually looking at. You can really do a dollars and cents analysis of what you're getting but you also need to know where you're starting from, right? So it's important that any applicant have a sense of what is the sort of going salary, the going rate, if you will, within their industry, for the position that they're applying for, taking into consideration factors such as geography and cost of living. Um, are, there, are there other pratfalls, common pratfalls that you have found either in your, in your like, oh, if I only I had done that differently, or just in your engagement with students? 
Well, I, I, not necessarily a pratfall, but but an extension of the idea of, of why to do this process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another opportunity to get to know your industry better. Right. Like it, invariably using the resources that are out there, networking, talking to people, talking to alums who have gone this path and might have some advice in these directions. All of that is a built-in advantage that will help you in a thousand different directions and specifically help you to be better prepared and have more knowledge when you're coming to the table in the negotiation about a particular industry or field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things just to remember as you're going through this, um, and this applies to the majority of industries, is that employers expect it. Employers, mm-hmm. you know, that by you approaching them, of course, you're always going to say thank you. You're being polite and professional. We can talk a little bit about some of the approaches, but you aren't catching anybody by surprise by saying, you know, kind of coming at uh, the negotiation part of of the the, the job search process. Like this is expected. And, and again, it's a bit dependent on the industry of and, course, and yeah. the employer, but they expect it. But if they're good at their job, they'll act like they don't. Of course, and, yeah. so, and so it's it's being w- uh, understand the context well enough yeah. to know that just because they're like, oh no, this is boilerplate. This is exactly just signed on the bottom line. Yeah, that's not because it really is, and maybe it is. But but that's also them playing the same game that you're playing, which is right. if you're coming to the table knowing as much about this industry, you've gone to Glassdoor, you've done all kinds of work that you can do, mm-hmm. and then you say, oh, well, boilerplate, but I have these comps from this same industry, the same geography that actually would suggest, given my experience, I think I you know, might be able to ask for a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Then they'll sort of you know, move the boilerplate off the table and be like, oh, here's someone who really came to play. Right. Um, and again, that's, that's indi- it's, it's industry dependent, right? Like not every industry is as hard line as that. Yeah. But if you're mm-hmm. willing to put in the time to like step to the table that way, it will only be to your advantage. It will only turn out better. It will never turn out worse. And I think um, speaking specifically to your situation when you're talking to employers about negotiating is important. I have a friend who works in hospitals and she got a new position. And one of the things that she negotiated was, well, this job is, you know, 15 minutes further from my house. That's an extra half an hour of my life every day. And it's extra wear and tear on my car. And she brought that specifically to her employer as a point for negotiation. And she got a travel stipend. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm. And like Derek said, you know, you can put that forward. You have some facts. You aren't basing this on just kind of made up things yeah, I just you know want more money I, right yes it's, it's fair it's factual I have, I have a favorite number I'd like you to hit it yeah exactly <laughs> like Maggie it's, it's very factual and the worst case scenario is that they say we cannot do mm-hmm. that and then of course it's back to your decision making process yeah, right. um, but by presenting it politely professionally factually um, that seemed to work out pretty well yeah. <laughs> so thinking about the you know, we, t- we outlined here a couple of the ways by which to do your homework in advance. I think it's, you know, mm. only makes sense to then talk about the, the goofs. So mm. where, where does this go awry? I mean, I think, you know, one of the, the, the real common things that I get, it, it, people are a little less sure of when to bring this up, mm. yeah. uh, when to talk about salary in general. And I always think those are like, you know, people get excited and people get nervous. And I try to remind folks that, and I was talking to a friend of mine about this the other day, like nothing is real until they say congratulations mm-hmm. and this is the offer. And only then, to borrow Derek's uh, phrase, now you're, you've come to play. 
Yeah. Right. Now we can have a conversation about this because everything suddenly became very real in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's hard not it's hard to avoid the considerations of salary and benefits and all those things that come along as you're going through the interview process, because this is a lot of time and energy out of your life. But we really have to I mean, by doing your your due diligence in advance, you have an expectation of what the salary may be. You've done that research. But if the employer has chosen not to list the salary, there is a little bit of a flying blind concept here, which is also why it's good. And this is going maybe back to the little 30,000 foot view. It's good to know what kind of positions you should be applying for or interviewing for in the first case. Mm -hmm. But from there, knowing that this dance will come toward the end of the process is, is necessary to state aloud. Yeah. I think another pitfall is the asking too high, asking too well, you're not going to ask for probably lower than they're offering, right? <laughs> well, you, you can ask too low in the sense of not understanding the context. That's well true. Enough, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. That so. this is a New York-based opportunity versus, you know, somewhere else where mm -hmm. the cost of living is a lot. Absolutely. That's where Glassdoor and your research comes into play. But, um, you know. I should mention what Glassdoor is just because I don't think everyone would be aware of that, like just as a resource. So it's a resource where you can identify um, job similar jobs to either to what you're applying to in certain locations. Um, Dallas is different than New York is different than Montpelier. So, you know, it's it's good to to make sure that you're looking for the the position in that location. And um, so, so that's what Glassdoor is. It's a good Montpelier plug, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> worth, it's worth mentioning that the dynamic in these negotiations changes drastically down the two paths that would, it will traditionally take. In one version, especially for a larger company, a well-established company, you get handed off to HR. Yes, mm -hmm. it's a separate phone call. It's you, you, you already know that it was the, the the informal congratulations, and then they they send you a binder, or an email, or PDF, and and you have to like start negotiating from that point forward. The more difficult scenario is with a smaller company that doesn't always have a full HR division, where you're negotiating with the same person you interviewed with, right. and potentially the same person who will be your supervisor. Right. Um, and that is is so much more of a loaded situation. Um, that is a, has, has a carryover dynamic to it and, and, and it intensifies the necessity of diplomacy even farther than an HR rep who you're only going to see when it comes to these kinds of things right. versus the person you will be asking for time off and, and all sorts of other un uncomfortable situations mm -hmm. down the road, depending upon how well or poorly you go back and forth in a negotiating situation. Yeah. I think for that reason, I, I just look at tonality as like an ever-present concern. Um, mm -hmm just because we don't know the dynamics, even at a larger company, those, you know, that HR person and your boss may just be tight and you don't mm -hmm. want to risk that coming back. I mean, mm -hmm. that would be relatively unprofessional, but crazier things could happen. For sure, yeah. And so I just think it's good to just be mindful of the, the tonality that you bring to any of those conversations. And so when those conversations come up, I mean, you are in somewhat of, I mean, you are in the driver's seat, right? Because they've, they've decided out of all the applicants, out of all the interviews, you're the one. They are done. This process is generally not enjoyable by anyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. And my mm -hmm. goodness, they finally come to the end of the tunnel. Thank God. And here you are. And it's, a, it's an interesting opportunity, a true opportunity, as much of a position of strength as I feel like anyone would have at any time. And yet most people, because nobody really cares to, to just do this as a fun activity for the afternoon, <laughs> mm -hmm. they don't necessarily see it as a position of strength. But I know the context by which I advise the, the, the folks I work with it is absolutely that, but it still needs to be treated with, you know, delicacy, right? right? Absolutely. And I think going into it, I mean, on a just a slightly different note, 
when you are going through this process and, you know, let's pretend that you have a specific location in mind, um, you will want to have gone through much of this process, maybe knowing what cost of living is, knowing what your bottom line is so that if you are going through this process and you are, have been offered this job and, and then you are given the salary and it's, it's, you know, you can still try to negotiate, but if you know your bottom line in terms of your own cost of living, you have, you know, you have student loans, maybe you have a car payment, whatever else you you have going on, and uh, you need to know your bottom line. What will I need to to make to live in? Let's do the Vermont theme, Burlington. You know, what <laughs> what do I need to make? Um, and that's that's kind of putting a pin in benefits just for a second. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of talking about bottom line salary, right. um, but something that you will want to think about just in general, mm-hmm. if you're looking at a location. And and the, the specificity of that number, being able to apply it towards, is this really a walk away, right? And, and in, mm-hmm. in many cases, mm-hmm. I'll work with students who, you know, there might not be a walk away, right? <laughs> but, but, but if there is one, to know what that shelf is, how close you can get to it, you know, Benefits come back in if you mm-hmm. get if you're, you know, you're almost there. But really, you know, having the the I think oftentimes when I'm working with students in a, in a prep for a negotiation, it's really helping them to to draw those lines and to do the hypothetical of like what where's the threshold and when do I walk away from this right. or when do I get so hardball about this that like they know that I'm serious that this is a real number. And if you don't have that prior, as as Julie was mentioning, you fall apart. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, if you haven't like really walked this out and suddenly it's a walk away situation and you're scrambling, you've just lost that negotiation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so really just just having the mock up of it and having a clear sense for if 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 we're talking about it strategically, it's a game of chess and I have pieces and I've actually played this out a few times in my head mm-hmm. before I get on the phone with that person or across the table or whatever it looks like. And I think that um, something that can be helpful, too, is trying not to be super short-sighted about that number when you're talking specifically about salary. I mean, maybe you know you have a contact that works at the place that you've interviewed or what have you. But for me, um, I know I get this amount as a raise on this schedule. And if you have some – I mean, I don't think that many people necessarily know that immediately mm-hmm. when they're you know, having their first phone interview with a company. But if you can figure that out somewhere in the process, then maybe you think, okay, this number isn't exactly what I want, but I know that if I am happy here for two years, then maybe I'll be at the number that I want to be at. And can I survive for yeah. two years yeah. at this number that's not ideal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a great question even to bring into maybe kind of towards the end of an interview process talking about, you know, what types of um, processes are there for growth in the company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't necessarily touch upon when will my salary be bumped up, you know, <laughs> but it's kind of sharing, you know, what kind of movement can happen in the company even during the interview process to give yourself a sense of, oh, it's really, you know, a, a you know, after two years, this happens, or I have to go through this program, or that type of thing. Just yeah, that's a great point. What are your thoughts on on the way to engage? Right. So I've seen instances where, and I find this to be a tad odd, but you guys can let me know if maybe <laughs> I feel differently. Is that the offer will come via an email, mm-hmm. not a phone call? So that then for the 
a candidate, the applicant, to then say, well, then do I do, do I email back my counteroffer? How do I begin to engage? And I, I always make it clear, like, you get on the phone yeah. and don't leave a – I almost – again, this may be like a Seinfeldian quirk of mine where it's like, don't even leave a voicemail. Just wait till you get somebody on the phone, like call back or something <laughs> later on at, a, at an appropriate time. But obviously you want to have that engagement. You want to be able to relate. You want to be able to showcase that you – uh, did that information, you know, did that research, have that information. You do not want the email to be misconstrued. You don't want the right. tone to be uh, misperceived. If you could see us, you could see us all nodding. We're all nodding. It's an agreement <laughs> to Brian. So I just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> this is going well. Yes. Um, but, right, I mean, that's, that's, just, that's just common sense, right? I mean, because you don't want that frozen in ether message to I, I think burn you. that is a common it, – it's a common instinctual response from uh, – from someone who doesn't want that engagement, which I think right. there's something very difficult in this process. So if your gut is telling you, oh, they emailed me, so I should just email them back, mm-hmm. that's an out. That, that, <laughs> yeah. that is your gut, you know, being, being you know, a coward in this situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah and you, and, and so, so be mindful of that. Be mindful of where instinct is the appropriate, like, you know, um, uh, uh, fl- flight or, or, or fight kind of <laughs> get this away from me. Um, and, and, and when it's something that can actually be to your benefit is, and is actually intuitive and, and is, is digging deeper, I think, you know, maybe a compromise in that would be, okay, a nice email back saying reviewed materials, found a lot interesting, would love to set up a phone chat, mm-hmm. right? Maybe that's somewhere in between where you can, you know, if you're if you're comfortable with that, you're you're letting them know that you know you're not signing off until you actually get a chance to speak with someone directly, right? Um, because that's it, right? Like that that's the missed opportunity that we just want to make sure that no one misses. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make this sound like I mean, I part of w- what we've been saying almost makes it sound like, oh, it's it's free money that is going to be there for you if you pick up the phone. Not the case. No. And no. many, there, there is a such thing as boilerplate. There is a such thing as you're, this is, you know, guess what? There's three people behind you. And if you don't take this, then, then sorry, we'll go with the next one. But, you know, as we've reinforced, it, that doesn't matter as much as the fact that you're willing to go through the process. You're willing to learn about the industry. You're willing to get yourself out of the comfort zone and pick up the skills necessary mm-hmm. And you're willing potentially even to make a small impact on a base salary that is the first comp of 50 years of comps down the road, which could be exponentially large in terms of the difference it makes. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, any of you, to um, someone who has – Derek, you mentioned, you know, there are three people behind you in line for this job. What do you say to someone who tried to negotiate and had the offer rescinded? I was about. To, I actually mm. wrote that down yeah. while Derek was talking. I, I don't mean to jump in, but I rarely have, unless you are just good at being rude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an <laughs> offer should not be rescinded mm-hmm. based on, 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 on those numerics. Now, 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 I have heard, and again, a game's getting played here, right? Mm-hmm. I have heard, you know, that part of the conversation, right, where it's like. Oh, so you think you're all that? Well, guess what? But usually, that's not rescinding the offer. That's that's backing them. That's backing the individual to the corner. To, to is are you at your level? Where's your mm-hmm. threshold? I'm gonna I'm gonna you know make you flinch, right? Now, rescinding the offer almost makes it sound like diplomacy was not it. You know, some la- yeah. layer of diplomacy. You got a person got too hot headed. They they you know they made it personal. Yeah. Um, they they might have you know. 
been belittling something in, involved in the, you know, like like somewhere along the lines, I feel like you almost have to cross a line right. to get the offer rescinded because of what Brian was talking about. And in general, they've done a lot. They've, they've put a lot of effort and resource and money into a hiring process. And yep. you are the peak of that hiring process. And even if they've got someone waiting in the wings, how much easier would it be? They chose you already. They don't want to have to go back to the committee or whatever it is and mm-hmm. get, get come up with, you know, was it the second or the third choice? So <laughs> you don't want to, I, I, I guess this is just underlining what we talked about. Diplomacy is king. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like not just with this person, with this person, the fact they might know other people, with whether it's HR or your supervisor, you are still in an interview. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're negotiating mm-hmm. and you've gotten the job but you're in an interview for future positions. True. You're in an interview for the, the the place that you have at this company and your willingness to demonstrate just how engaged you are in this industry and the broader context of this environment. So you can't forget that you're still being interviewed in some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even some basic prep. Like you don't have to go into this. And we've mentioned this before. You don't have to wing it. Yeah. <laughs> and you should not. <laughs> Actually, let me rephrase that. You should not wing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even just the opposite, r- right? the opposite of that. Yeah. <laughs> you can write down helpful phrasing. Um, if you feel that you might in the moment just kind of lose your place because you're nervous. I, as we've mentioned before, you know, it's we know this is uh, an anxiety inducing process for a lot of people, but you can prepare for it so that, um, and Maggie, I'm really glad that you asked this question yeah. because it definitely has it opened comes up, up a lot. Yeah. yeah. I get a lot of that, lot of that question the same way. Yeah. And, and prepare for, prepare for this process. Um, I mentioned write down some, maybe some helpful phrasing, but by that, I also mean say it out loud. Um, you know, you can, Whatever helps you best prepare um, and being kind and professional and, yeah. yeah. You got offered the job, too, this right. person, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Which means you did a lot of the right things yeah. at the right time. Keep doing that. So just keep doing it. Like, whatever that process was that prepped you, you did it right the first time. Keep that going. Right. And I think I think that level of preparation is, is essential, like, just to underscore it once again. the The beauty of this sort of batting the ball back and forth that we talked about because it's usually like again a phone conversation there's maybe something that'll be sent you can then ask for the the if the, if the offer is modified in some way you can then ask for it sent email there's this interesting level of downtime in between each round if you will where you can seek out that insight from others in your network if you have that network at your disposal mm-hmm. and i think that again underscores the you know the need to have a network but the idea of like your your the process is sort of ever present. And so if you have that conversation and they give you that next offer and it's somewhere in between what they had initially offered you and what you wanted, you obviously and logically should say, Thank you very much. That's that's wonderful news. Great to hear. I need to I need to, to reflect on this. And then you now are back on the board with a new timestamp. You know, like now we get to continue. We have to continue thinking about this. Eventually, we're going to have to make sort of a call on all of this. But the reality is, you buy yourself that little bit of time, and that's valuable into itself. It helps modify the 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 the, the nerves of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that I always come back to is really identifying what's important to you, what's the bottom line, and preparing. I mean, I think that that's just um, it's so key in this whole process because if you come to that point of the job offer, you've never considered any of this before. 
um, you'll be scrambling and it won't, you know, you won't be prepared and that may come across. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't, this is also why we you know, preach to folks to, to not go into the um, job application process with any pangs of desperation, even if the situation seems that way. And I, so I, I know that sounds contradictory, but like if we were that, if we, if we carry that desperation with us and they say, I will offer you, and you're like, before they even say a number, you're like, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. You need to take the, you know, take the beats, take the steps, take those, the, the, again, that downtime is very important. You get to have a breath there. You get to reflect on that and do exactly what Julia just said and, and see how it fits in to this, this larger plan. Well, and I think that what you were saying too, Julia, about not just coming up with the phrases that are helpful, but practicing saying them. Yes. Because it's, it's the difference between me saying like, nice shirt. And nice shirt. Like, you yeah, know, absolutely. I mean, obviously, hopefully you aren't commenting on I the HR person's nice shirt, shirt but you are. You are. It's an interesting strategy, but I support it. Yeah, no, yeah. it's so true. Practicing it out loud. We say this for interviews. We say that, I mean, for salary negotiation. Practice out loud, and I'm glad that you, you emphasized that point. And, and as we, as we kind of, again, uh, begin to kind of wrap up here, there's something else that I was thinking about. It's also sort of non, non-material is just thinking about like if you're, if you're negotiating multiple offers at once and, and that's not unusual for folks depending on where they're at is to try to think of these other factors in terms of, you know, location, quality of life, um, the, 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 I don't want to call them intangibles, but the things that are sort of outside of the day-to-day of the, of the job itself become necessary, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's just something else to be cognizant of and perhaps, you know, we can talk about leveraging offers at a different time, but, um, and that's a very delicate dance, if, if even a good idea at all. Um, you'd be surprised how many people just think it's like part of the thing. They're like, yeah, I'll just tell them I have another offer. And, well, there's a lot more to that. It's sort of lifting up the stone, and there's a lot crawling underneath. you got to be real careful. But um, without going too far uh, uh, down that path, I think you know, thinking about work environment and, again, what your sort of quality of life will be in that new place or within that new uh, organization uh, remain key. And that might be, ultimately, after all the negotiation and all the thoughts about uh, benefits and salary and all of that, that may end up being, call me, call me naive, but that may end up being one of the, the, the key factors that helps you, and, you know, feel best about that decision. Um, all right. So I think we'll be wrapping this up for, for this uh, installment of Take This Job and Love It. You can find more information on our website, ocs.yale.edu. You can also follow us on the various social media platforms that we have available through uh, where you found this podcast, and we will be back with another episode in the uh, near future. So thanks again for tuning in. Take care.